I'm just going to kind of just jump right in with the Lord, what the Lord is speaking to me, and it's exactly what we just heard is rest. We need rest. Amen. I mean, look at the world today. Wouldn't you agree that we need some rest? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, it's like we're running on a hamster wheel, you know, trying to do everything in life. And I, I want to jump. I want to go ahead and do, I don't normally do this, but I want to just go ahead and jump right into the scripture, Hebrews 4.9. Now, as I was just picturing ministering today, the Lord just, just a, a washing. I just felt like he, he just wanted, you know, his spirit, it just, it cleanses us and it, and it washes us and it, and it, and it brings newness. It brings newness of life. The, the things that we thought were dead, God calls those things and brings them to life. Amen. Does he not? I think we can all, who have said yes to Jesus, could testify to that. That we were dead and we've been made alive in Christ. And there's things that we thought were impossible, and, God, and it was possible with his spirit and with his life. So Hebrews 4.9 says, There remains, therefore I rest, for the people of God. Isn't that good news? There is a rest. There is a rest that is promised, promised to us. But unfortunately, most of what the world sees is Christians living their life like we're walking in the wilderness. You know? We've just been delivered, been taken out of Egypt, and we hey, we don't know which which way which way is up from down and, and we're and we're complaining and, and we're just going through life not trusting and that's what God said it says you know in, in the Psalms it says that they didn't enter into the promised land not because of God but because of their unbelief right it was never God's and, and this this is where we have to know the character of God it was never God's intention for the children of Israel to walk around a desert for 40 years. Never. His intention was to bring them into the land of promise. And, and, as we, and when we read Hebrews 4, 9, some uh, commentary, you know, commentaries say that this rest is for after you die. No, baloney. This rest is now. It's for us now. It's a way of life. Hebrews in Hebrews 10:22 it talks about a new and and living way and that that is because of his sacrifice. And that's because of what he did in his death and his his burial and his resurrection provided a new way to live that we could walk in rest. And we look around and yeah, it doesn't seem like something that's possible, but it is. And I and I think we can all have the chance to walk into it. It's, rest is for now just like eternal life. Eternal life is not a destination when you die. Eternal life is now. That's what uh, John 17, 3 says. It says, and this is eternal life that you know me. We, we got it. We, the church has it backwards. They think you gotta, you're getting your ticket to heaven when you say yes to Jesus, and that's it. You know, when you say yes to Jesus, it's not just a ticket to heaven. It's a way of life 
that we can live in God's blessing, the same blessing that he promised to Abraham. All of those in Deuteronomy 28, all the blessings, they are for us who have said yes to Christ and we're in Christ. And part of that blessing is rest. That, that's part of his blessing. It's, it's not, it wasn't God's plan for us to strive our whole lives. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about an inner world in your life that whatever is going on, you know, obviously we all get distracted and we can all get off course at times, but I'm talking about your inner world is developed that whatever is going on. You know, we were just recently looking for a place to live, and that can be extremely stressful. And you can be, you can be challenged to, to enter into just worry, stress, but the life that God has for us is to, it doesn't make sense, but it's to labor into that rest. So how do we labor into the rest that God has for us? What do we do? How, how do we get our hearts to a place that when stuff comes, and I would say we probably need to practice it like in the little things. You know, we don't have kids yet, but soon we will. It's like loading the kids up and bringing them to church. I, I just have a picture of that being, is, is that true, Mike? Can that be a little, do you have to practice some patience and learn to rest in that moment? Okay. You know, there's our, you know, in our, in our work lives and what we're doing at work, you know, there's a tendency to get stressed out or get mad at the guy next to you or, or whatever. And there's always a temptation to get out of rest. But I believe, you know, when I think of Jesus, think about him walking around. Like, think about how much rest he walked in. I mean, it was just like he was walking in the promised land because I think Jesus knew the promised land wasn't about a destination. It was about a state of existence. It was about a state of well-being. So, you know, you may be thinking of types of rest like, you know, sitting in the jacuzzi or <laughs> sitting by a poolside, sipping on your lemonade or... You know, whatever it is that you think of rest. But this is not the rest that I'm talking about. Like I said, it's real rest and things little and things big that you can enter into at whatever time. You can connect to the rest that Jesus has for us at any moment. It, it's possible. And I'm going to show you why and so and the reason why we shouldn't just be a victim, right? Because we live in a world where a lot of us, and a lot of it's just because we just don't know better. You know, we're just a victim to our circumstances. We're just, we're just a victim, as I like to say, as Clint used the illustration, he'll say, you know, we've just been, you know, shot out in the pinball machine, and we're just bouncing around and reacting to everything that we run into. But there's a way of life that we can establish our hearts in who God is and who we are in him, that we can, our hearts can be prepared to enter into his rest at any time. So his rest does not make logical 
sense. Okay, this is important to know. Very important to know. If we want to understand the way that the kingdom works, okay, we can't understand it through natural means in a lot of ways. It doesn't make sense. And I have this illustration, you know. Uh, I used to be into, like, this crazy hobby. It was called, um, I guess it would be called vertical caving. And it's where I would rappel down these large 100-foot drops or off the side of a 700-foot mountain, and you had all this vertical gear on you, which you don't even know what that means. But uh, you'd have a harness, and you'd have these different devices, and you'd have this little 11-millimeter um, uh, rope, like this size. And you would hang your life on a little rope like this, you know, as much as maybe six to 700 feet you know, and it's just, you know, it's just, you know, hanging on to this anchor all the way up the top. And I would, I love, I was, except for some reason, God gifted me in being exceptional at this because I just really didn't have much fear about it. You know, and it was just, I felt like this is my happy place, being on this little rope, all, <laughs> hanging hundreds of feet of the air, and hawks are like flying by me. I'm like, hey. <laughs> And so I would, but here was one, the, one of the lessons I learned about uh, doing this was when I, I trained a bunch of people. I would have people who were interested in doing this, and they kind of had to pass a few tests, you know, for me to spend the time, you know, training them. And they would come over, and I'd set them up, and I would hang a rope like 10 feet in the tree. And I would have a ladder there. I'd say, all right, go for it. And, you know, not maliciously, but I would watch them as they would struggle to try and, and climb up this little 10-foot section of rope. And here's the reason why they struggled, was because they tried to get so close to the rope, and they didn't depend on the gear that I had given them. They didn't depend on the devices that were going to keep them safe and attached to the rope. See, when you're climbing uh, in this world, you're climbing a cliff, you're climbing a, in a cave or whatever you're doing, the objective is to be at rest. You want to sit back, you want to lay back, you just want to be like you're just hanging out, just having a good old time. You don't want to just try and fight and try to be up there with the rope or else you're going you're gonna to get exhausted. You're going to get stuck on the rope because you're tired. And that was one of the lessons I learned about life is it doesn't make logical sense when you're hundreds of feet above the ground on this little rope to relax and to hang out. And I think that's how it is in life. There's things in life it doesn't make sense for us to take a nap. Just like Jesus. He's, on the, he's during the storm, right? Why was Jesus taking a nap? Who takes a nap during a storm? Okay. Well, you know what I mean. He's on the water, though. I love to take naps in a storm. But he's on the waters raging, and there's a storm. And Jesus is like, this is the best time for a nap I could ever think of, you know? So rest, the rest that God offers, we can't, 
just understand it by natural means. And I give that illustration this, you know, to show you that there are things in life that you need to understand that you got to get a different perspective, right? You got to change the way that you're seeing it. And, and you know, it's just like we went whitewater rafting, you know, Monday, and the teens had fun, didn't we? Woo! Uh, one of the the parts of the trip, though, they had us pull over to a little sandbar, and they had this this channel of water for us to float down, and they're like, put your chin up and, and your toes up. Well, if you're afraid of drowning, I don't, that doesn't, that may not sound like the best advice to be laying back like that and just, and just trusting that, especially if you're like in a rapid, you know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. And so the advice is, okay, your tendency is going to want to, to swim or, or to try and fight it, but the best advice is to rest, is to relax. So I say that to say, you know, and there's, and there's real life stories of, of resting in him, okay? You know, if, if, if you come down with a sickness, it's not, the common response is not to say, okay, I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest in who he is. He's, he's Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord who heals. Or, if, you know, if your bank account is, is not looking good and all the bills are piling up, it's not common to just say, you know what, I'm going to rest in who God says he is. He's, he's Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord who provides. Or if, you're, if our marriage is struggling and falling apart, it's not, it's not natural to rest and say, God, he's the God who restores. And so there's real-life situations to where we need to learn how to rest in him because it's, it's the small things daily. All those, you know, it's the small decisions of our lives that make up the direction that we'll go and the things that will happen. If we can learn how to rest in the small, everyday things, you know, when those moments come and those real-life things come, our hearts will be established and prepared to rest in that. I wrote this, rest is not inactivity. Rest is a state of existence that is fully assured that God is who he says he is. Our victory, listen, our victory is in the resting, not in the fighting, okay? And that is completely contrary to what the world says, right? You want to get it? You got to... You got to work your way up the ladder. You know, you got to climb that success ladder. You got to step on everybody you can. No, that's not the way. Jesus said those who are first will be last, right? So the way that God does things is opposite to the way that we would naturally do things. And so our, our victory is not in fighting. Our victory is learning how to rest. Because guess what? There is a world, if you said yes to Jesus, I guarantee you there is somebody in your life watching you. Okay? And this isn't, there's no condemnation. But we need to know that we know 
that God is who he says he is and that we are complete in him and, and he is, he's all those things. He's all those things that he needs to be for any situation in life. You know, rest doesn't promise you maybe the outcome that we all want. Let's be honest, right? You know, there's situations in our life. I'm not promising us that if we rest, there's going to be a guaranteed outcome that we were hoping for. You know, that's just like, there's just, there's just life stuff, right, that happens. And we can't guarantee that everything is always going to turn out the way that we hope for. But what I can promise you is, this, is if we learn how to rest, it'll give us the strength and the peace to get through any situation. Any situation, right? We need that. I mean, for our, for our own sake and for our own well-being. We need to rest in the Lord to get that strength. I want to show you something that stuck out to me, and this is in, if you have your, your Bibles with you, you probably got them on your phones. Uh, go with me to Deuteronomy 28, uh, verse 65. Where's Deuteronomy? <laughs> I think it's somewhere in the Old Testament. I think it's that fifth book that Moses wrote. Yeah, we don't usually, we don't turn to Deuteronomy a lot. Okay, is everybody there? Okay, I guess it's up there too. God, technology, you know. Okay, so verse 65, and it says, and among those nations you shall find no rest. So just to kind of give you some quick backstory on this, Deuteronomy it starts out with like the first like 12 to 13 verses in Deuteronomy 28 and it lists these great blessings, okay? And then it lists like from 14 to, where does this go? To 68 curses. And you're like, wow, there's a 12 verses of good stuff and the rest is all bad. And so when Deuteronomy 28 was, when Moses was presenting the blessing and the curses, he's saying, when he introduced the blessing, he says, if you obey my commandments and you listen to them carefully and follow, follow all my statutes, these blessings will come upon you, okay? So what could you imagine would be the opposite of that for the curses? He said, if you do not listen to my law and follow my law and follow my statutes carefully... If you don't do those things, then all this crappy stuff will come on you, okay? So it starts in verse 65, and this is going to be, I feel like this is going to produce some freedom in your life, that you are no longer a victim to those feelings of unrest, those feelings of anxiety, any of that stuff, because you're going to find out that this is part of the curse, okay? So it says, and among those nation, nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place. But there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, 
and anguish of soul. Verse 66, your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. That don't sound good, right? <laughs> that doesn't sound good at all. That sounds pretty bad. Have you ever felt that you were so anxious that your heart was trembling, right? Have you, have you ever just been so caught up with fear that your heart is just shaking? Like you, it's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I just want to, yeah. For, for me, my personality, I don't know why I have this personality. And, you know, people have different things. But when I get stressed out, I think taking a nap is going to solve the world's problems. And it doesn't. You know, I wake up and I'm like, nope, problem's still there. <laughs> right? Other people, it's different. So we've, we've all faced that trembling heart, that fear. And when it talks about that, that failing vision, I, like, I, I see that in spiritual terms that, you know, with that trembling of heart, you lose sight. Like you, you, like, you may not lose physical sight, but you lose spiritual sight. Like, you can't see where you're going. Have you ever had so much stuff happening in your life? It's like you can't see. Like, there's, there's things right in front of you, you know. There may be problems with your kids right in front of you, but because of what's going on in your heart and all the chaos and all the stuff going on, it's like you can't, you can't, and it may be a friend who's hurting right around you, but you don't even recognize that they're hurting because you got all this stuff going on. And then the anguish, the anguish, what it talks about, the anguish of soul. Have you ever just dealt with depression? I know I have. You know, you just had them to fight depression. We're going to go to Galatians uh, 3, verse 10, and I'm going to show you that you don't have to live with that. Like, it's, it, do, it doesn't belong to any of us. Any of us who said yes to Jesus, we're no longer victims to the world. That we're more than conquerors, right? We're more than conquerors in Christ. So Galatians 3.13. Get there. Okay. Everybody there? Galatians uh, 3, verse 10. It says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Say, I'm no longer under the curse. I'm no longer under the curse. Thank you, Jesus. We don't have to be under that whole list of terrible things. Okay? For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. All that's saying is you can't do it. You can't, there is no way that you, those, those great blessings in the beginning, there is no way that you could live morally uh, a perfect life, good enough to where you could earn those blessings. You can't earn anything from God. Because we're all going to, it says, if you fall short in one area, you're guilty of the whole thing, right? So we can't do it. It has to be, even Abraham, before the law was introduced, God made a covenant with Abraham that it would, the covenant would be established by faith and not by his works, right? 
So, verse 12, yet the law is not of faith, okay? The law is not of trust. It's you performing in your own ability. It's you trusting in yourself. Our covenant is trusting in the sacrifice of what Jesus has done. The things that Jesus has done is sufficient for all things that we need. Hallelujah. Praise God. That means when you get worn out and you don't feel good enough, that means instead of looking to yourself, you can look to Jesus. Because he accomplished everything that we need. Everything. He conquered that trembling heart. He conquered that depression. He conquered that failing of vision. He conquered every single thing that we would deal with. Because that's a part of the curse. And you're going to see how Jesus did that in such a powerful way. And if you can get this, I promise you, it'll transform your life. And your life will never be the same. Okay? So verse three. Uh, verse 12, I'll finish that. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. So if you're going to go that course, you better live by them all the way. And you're going to fail terribly, and you're going to fall on your face because the law was designed not so that it was a standard you could live up to. It was to show you that you needed a Savior. It was to show you that you needed a Messiah. It was to show you that you needed somebody to help you in life. Because we can't do it on our own. We need someone who's by our side at all times to be the sufficient. He's the comforter. He's the rescuer. He's the deliverer. He's the healer. There's nothing that we can do apart from him. We got to trust in him all the way. He said, you're either for me or against me. I want to be for him. Verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now, I looked up that word redeemed, and that word redeemed means to purchase from the power of another. Let me say that again. Redeemed means to be purchased from the power of another. Okay? The power that holds us in bondage to the weight of sin and to the curse of the law. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been redeemed from that power, even the power of death. That we shall not taste death. Oh, death, where is your sting? We've been redeemed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He paid for it. Every single curse that is listed in Deuteronomy 28 was paid for by Jesus Christ. Guess what? He gave himself. Nobody took the life of Jesus. Nobody took his life. He gave it. You know, when he was stretching out his hand, I, you know, and Clinton has said this before, I don't, I, I, and, I, and I agree, I, I don't think he was fighting it. I think he was willingly offering himself. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus knew this word. Jesus knew the Old Testament. He knew all these curses. And so he... It was the joy that was set before him, Hebrews 12, 2, that he endured the cross. Right. 
And so I, I picture Jesus knowing the word and knowing the scripture and saying, I'm going to redeem my children. I'm going to redeem my brothers and sisters from having to be a victim to these curses that are killing my people, that are destroying their lives. That the, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You 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 gotta you gotta you gotta see it. You gotta see Jesus becoming your sickness. You gotta see Jesus becoming your anxiety, becoming your depression, becoming your uh, your lack of confidence, your lack of boldness, all those feelings that we feel about ourselves. We need to see that on on Jesus. What we just read in the curse, you know. Jesus, when he took on, he became sin who knew no sin. Can you picture Jesus having a trembling heart? Can you, can you picture Jesus, his, his, his vision failing? Can, can you picture Jesus having an anguish of soul? Our, our, our perfect, the, the perfect lamb of God, who was God in the flesh, he, he was the word that became flesh. And Jesus, Jesus became all that for us, willingly, because to purchase us from the power of another. But guess what? We have to participate in that. Guess what? That's, we have to, that's why the, the disciples in John 6, they said, because everything about the law was about, what do you want us to do, Jesus? He said, what can we do to do the works of the kingdom? And what did Jesus say? He said, believe on me. That's the work. It, it's believing on what he did was enough for, for everything. There's no psychologist. I mean, I'm not against psychologists. I'm not against counselors. But the Lord is our counselor. He's the one we should run. He's our healer. He's the one that we should run to first. I'm not against going to the doctors or anything. But we've just accepted our struggles. You know, if there's, there's a sin habit, we've just, you, you, you just fight and you fight and you fight and you fight all through life. And, I, and I've seen it with people, and it, and it just tears my heart because I see somebody who's struggled with something their whole life, and they don't see any way out. And they just accept it. This is just the way life is. This is just, but what they didn't know is what we said earlier that your victory is not in your fighting. Your victory is in the rest of the Lord. It's, it's resting in him. And if we could learn to do that, there is nothing that we cannot overcome. And that's not of ourselves, but it's of the power of Christ within us. The fullness of Christ dwells in us who have said yes to him. So I want to go to uh, one story. It's in Luke uh, chapter 10, verse 38. Okay, so a lot of y'all know this story. 
Um, it's the story of Mary and Martha. Okay, so verse 28. It says, uh, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Verse 40, But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. <laughs> Sounds like Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But listen, but one thing is needed. Say, one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Okay? I don't know if I've ever heard any... It's Give me some creative license, as Clint says. Now, I believe the Lord showed me the reason that Jesus said to Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Remember, uh, Martha and Mary are sisters, right? Do you know who they're the sisters of? Lazarus. Lazarus, right. So this is what I see. Lazarus, it, see, the story of Lazarus is not in the Gospel of Luke. You know, there's, obviously there's different stories in different Gospels. Um, and John 11, though, is the story of Lazarus. And I believe the story of Lazarus, which if you kind of look at the timeline, the story of the death of Lazarus was pretty close to when Jesus uh, would go to the cross, okay? And so I believe that this story is a little bit before Lazarus. But here is why I believe that Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. It doesn't say why, but I believe it's because her brother is sick, okay? That makes, does that make sense to y'all? Yeah. That Lazarus, her brother, is sick. And so what is, what is Martha doing? She's She's serving. She's doing. She's, she's trying. I, I know you know this, that when life is going on, what is our tendency to do sometimes? I told you mine already is to take a nap. But some of ours is to work, is to stay busy, right? It's, if I can do enough stuff, I can keep my mind off of what's going on. And so, of course, she's like, Jesus my sister Mary, all she's doing is laid out on the floor looking at you. Like, get. she's not cleaning any dishes. She's not doing any laundry. I mean, come on. And so we, I, I'm not trying to be, not to be sensitive. Obviously, we understand. I mean, her brother is sick. It makes perfectly good sense, right, for her to be wanting to try and stay busy and trying to do things to keep her mind off of what's happening. But, but Mary knew something, right? But Mary knew something. And what did it say? But one thing is needed. 
Say that again. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And there's a truth there that just came to me. If you discover this rest, this one thing that is needed, nobody can take it away from you. Nobody. No circumstance, no situation. I don't care what it is in your life. There's nothing that can take that away from you. It belongs to you. And Jesus recognized it. He said, she's chosen the good part. Okay? I'm, listen to me. I'm not saying you, you don't do anything. Remember what I said? I said, rest is not an activity. Rest is a state of existence that is fully assured that God is who he says he is. When you labor into rest, you do, you, you do whatever it takes to create the environment of your heart that it's in, it's in a place that it believes. And that, I mean, that's, that's why we, we preach here every Sunday on the gospel, on the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because if we're not established in that, if we don't understand, the, it says in the gospel is the power. Is the power unto salvation. If we don't understand those foundational things, then we won't get anything else really. You know, it'll just, it'll just be picking and grabbing at things. So I, I, I want to end with one more verse. And I actually put it in here uh, in the message version. This is Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, um, verse 30. And I just want to maybe just, just close your eyes right now. Just, if, if you would, just go with me for a second and just close your eyes. And it says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Watch how Jesus does it. Watch how he learns to take a rest. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. There's a rest. This rest is for us. And guess what? When you have this rest, you got joy, you got laughter, those things that you're just, you, I, I'm guilty of it. I get guilty of be call, being called a booger or I need to change my attitude. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Donald. I'm not alone. <laughs> but when you when you learn this this way of life, and I just want you to make sure that you know that if you said yes to Jesus, you're qualified for it. 
There's nothing else you need to do. We, we need to stop trying to, to live up to some kind of standard that we, we can't possibly do. And I, I can be guilty of that. I can be somewhat, and my wife knows this, being a perfectionist. We got to let go of some of that stuff. We, you know, we just got to learn to be okay with who God says we are, yeah. that that is enough, that we can rest in who he's made us to be. And you, obviously, we don't just stay there. But if we're continuing to beat ourselves up and condemn ourselves, we're not doing anybody a favor. And so we, true, humi- true humi- humility is saying, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I can't do it on my own. I, obviously, I can't, I can't reach this place. But I can trust in him and trust that his power and his life inside of me is sufficient enough. So we thank you, God. We just thank you for that rest. We thank you for that promise. God, we thank you that that promise is for us. God, I just thank you right now that our hearts are open to see that you became a curse for, the, for us, that you hung on a tree, that you became a cursed in every single way, in, in, every, single, in the, every single thing that is hindering us and holding us back, Lord. God, I just thank you that that would become real, that we would see that we were buried with you into baptism and that we've been raised into new life. That is our reality. God, we choose to say yes to that. God, we choose to say yes to your resurrection life inside of us. God, and we just thank you that we take this truth that we've heard today and that the Lord spoke and we, and we bring it to those around us and we show people what real rest looks like. God, we just thank you for that rest because in that rest is the fullness of life. It's that abundant life that you promised to us. That we don't have to be subject to the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But you come to bring abundant life and more abundantly. And God, we thank you for that. Amen. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never, if you don't know what that rest is, maybe it's somebody, we have people watching online, and you want to experience, want to experience that rest. You know, you want to experience that rest that I talked about, the rest that is there for us. I just want you to say, all you do is have to say yes to what Jesus has done. Say yes what he provided for on the cross. And just let him take that. He paid, he paid for your sin so that you could be free, that you could become a new creation. The Bible says that when you believe, you become a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. And so that's all you do is you just believe. We don't always have to say a prayer. There's nothing magic in a prayer. It's when we believe in our hearts and say yes to what Jesus has done, he offers us a new life, and it says in that moment we become born again. Amen.